Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Totally switching gears here. If you listen to my last episode, it was on perfectionism and procrastination and this like meaningful way of living. Today, <laughs> it's kind of ironic that I plan these two episodes back to back. Today, we're going to talk about life online and teaching in a digital first world. So quite the opposite of like disconnecting and <laughs> aiming for a long and meaningful and healthy life. And we're talking about a lot of time online. Tech is great. Being online is amazing. It has opened up a whole new world of resources and connectivity and different things, but it has its downsides too. That said, today we're really going to focus in on the teaching online side of things. So when you have kids who are learning online or you as an adult or an online learner, or you are teaching as an educator online, here are some things to keep in mind. One, you typically attend either synchronously or asynchronously. So synchronously means you're all live together. It's like a video option and that you are present. Whereas asynchronously, you're typically watching specific recording or screencast or like maybe there's audio embedded or you're reading, but it's not, it's not live. So what are the pros and cons? Let's talk about pros and cons of synchronous, of being live online together. One, there's more engagement because minute by minute you're, you're being held accountable because someone's actually seeing you on the screen. You can also ask live questions and get them answered and you can interact like the instructor can interact with you, but you can also interact with peers in, in breakout rooms. So quite a few pros there. What are some cons? Being live online, watching the screen and being distracted by other tabs and just like what being online does to your, your mental state, how it kind of drains it. It can be exhausting. It's hard to coordinate times to get everyone live at the same time. And then you have the ease of distractions and connectivity, internet, devices, all of those things, technology not working well. Asynchronously, the pros are you can access the content at your convenience. You can kind of watch it, go back, turn it on choose periods of time or days of the week, or even day time of days that are best for your learning. Also, you can include multimedia here. So when I'm speaking live synchronously, I can incorporate some bits of multimedia, but like with recorded stuff, I'll do videos, but then I'll do audios and then I'll do reading. And then I'll do like this interactivity component that's embedded. And also you can go back and watch the replays. I said that a moment ago, but you can go back and replay thing if you've forgotten. If it's live and it's not recorded, you can't. And you can pause and take breaks as you need them versus when the person who's guiding the class says you can take a break. What are the cons? 
way easier to procrastinate because there's a lack of accountability. Even if there is some level of accountability, like you're not live. So naturally a lack of accountability and there's a lack of like instant or even just feedback in general. I mean, you can have a discussion and get feedback that way, but it's not the same as getting feedback live or in person. So which is better? It's not really one or the other, preferably actually a mix of both is best based on research, having components of both. So some live sessions and some recorded. Multimedia learning. Think about like hearing and seeing what we need to know and tips we should probably live by. One, when you're recording content, whether you're speaking live or pre-recorded, speak clearly and enthusiastically. I wanted to get this right as I'm a bit of a perfectionist, was, was a bit of a perfectionist. I took voice lessons. I actually went to an acting coach and asked for voice lessons and we did some like theater work. We also did some improv and it was immensely helpful. Even not knowing at that point that I was going to start a podcast. Now I can be on here and I can change my intonation and I can emphasize things and I can really learn to enunciate and speak clearly. That said, not every episode comes out clearly because sometimes I'm tired or other factors, sick, who knows. Introduce complex material gradually and highlight important information. It's the same as you would do in live and uh, in person. Get rid of extraneous on-screen material. When I present, I always like pull up a new tab. I don't pop it up into a tab full of tabs. It's so confusing. It's so hard to find stuff. And it's just more data and content and sensory input for people to look at. So get rid of anything extraneous, especially in the back of your screen. Like if you're not blurring your background, you're using a virtual screen. If there's a lot of stuff in your background, that's especially if it's disorganized, get rid of it. When you are on camera, whether recording or, or live, be bold, be big, be loud enough, and be animated. Got to keep people's attention. Got to be like a movie character, kind of like you're acting. You can also help uh, students to create a cognitive map for how to access your digital content or go through your learning management system if you have one, kind of like take them on a tour. That helps ease anxiety and helps make sure that everyone gets to the right spot. Weekly updates, monthly calendar events, like touch points, reminders, automated emails, whatever it is, like all of those things are really helpful for getting people to move through the content, making sure it's done on time. Really good to have an introductory email, like kick off the course and then weekly emails to follow up and, and save these and template them. So for classes and years in the future, you can continue to use them and just plug in new information. All right, here are a few more tips. These tips are when you are doing your recordings for your asynchronous session, a couple of video things to remember. One, you can either use one light, like a warm, softer light right in front of you or natural light from a window. You just don't want it to be too bright. Second best option, or this might even be argued that the first, is to have two lights, to have one kind of sort of on each side of you. And third option is kind of like one on each side of you and one kind of off to the side in the back to kind of like hit those ones in the front. So these positioning almost looks like a triangle of three, but not a perfect triangle, more of like a right angle triangle. <laughs> Position yourself in the center of the screen and like your face top and bottom with enough space and make sure that the screen camera 
is high enough that you're not like looking down or looking up. Face-to-face is what we want. Make sure your posture is are his back and you're not slumping. How close are you to the screen? Can people see your hand motions? We want people to be able to see your hands. What's in the background? Can you stand? Standing is even better because it's like you're truly speaking. Look directly at the camera. Use noise absorbing things for echo's sake, like rugs, plants, water, pillows, tapestries, foam, anything. Be mindful of your crutch words, like, mm, um, eh. keep those out as much as possible. And remember that three to like 10 minutes is the sweet spot for recording more than 10 minutes and you're going to lose them. Humor really helps them stick around too. And maybe you even think about some type of script. If you have a script, then you're not using those crutch words. If you are going to use a visual, like a PowerPoint or a Google slide, there's like no lengthy verbiage, definitely short and few words. Language is stimulating. We don't want to see a ton of language all over our visuals. Make sure you're paying attention to that tone of voice, that intonation, that um, the, the way you carry your voice through the words and the sentences. And think about like best place to record if you're not doing video probably your closet because it soaks up all that noise. Sometimes I try and record the podcast episodes in the closet. Right now I'm in in a room, but the room has a lot of pillows and it's fully carpeted, so it's not too echoey. Biggest thing to remember here when you're recording content, it's not about how you look. People don't really care so much about how you look and all the cool like intro, outro songs. What people care about is your audio. So if you're going to invest in one thing, invest in a good mic. I use a Shure, S-H-U-R-E, Shure mic. Wasn't cheap, but I got it on sale, like a Black Friday sale. And uh, it's been using it for years and it's really wonderful. And I've upgraded from what I was at to this. So they're definitely cheaper options than this, but some type of decent audio mic situation. Okay. Let's talk about if you're creating the content, how do you, how do you organize it? Or how do you organize even like your online teaching? How do you organize the group? How do you organize everything related to digital world education? One set ground rules, like let everyone know what your expectations are, what the agenda is, things like that. We like to know what's coming. Engage in the first 60 seconds, like do something very intentionally in the first 60 seconds to really get them engaged and pull them in and they'll be hooked. If possible, try and keep your lessons to like less than five minutes or your talking points less than less than five minutes and then have them interact or talk or discuss or something. Max like 10, 15, the five is really like the sweet spot. Consider ways to integrate like some type of like almost handwriting on screen so they can like see you in action. Like if you have a tablet, you could potentially do that. And consider, are there other ways for interactivity like polls or breakout groups, or even I've used collaboration guides. So like I'll take the slide deck and I'll share it with the group and I'll make it editable so that they can like add questions or interact with certain parts of the programming. I take breaks every 15 or so minutes. I might even like play Simon Says to get them familiar with the different components. Like I'll say like Simon Says, find reports tab, click on reports tab. 
Simon says, download this. Simon says, find this discussion. Simon says, figure out where to submit your final project. So it just kind of bounces them around and gets them familiar with the content for the digital system. I think there's anything else, online teaching, any other ground rules or things to consider? No, I don't think so. But I do want to talk about what we can do to keep attention because I think that can be a hard one. So your, your sound, your audio, your volume, that makes a big difference in keeping attention. If you use something like in motion, like if your body can be in motion or you show like a little video clip on the screen or even like something unexpected. Like I remember during the pandemic, I watched a teacher put on one of those dino suits and he had his computer and he was... Um, had the video on his computer and he like came into the screen on the dino suit and he taught in the dino suit. That was completely unexpected. Also humorous. Also, he was in motion. Also, that was amazing. <laughs> Consider going like if you're half body, like if your camera is a half body and you can only see your upper body, can you move at any point to show your full body, like moving in and out of half body to full body? And then you can always have like your cursor. You can like download these, like, because I wouldn't call them a widget. Maybe they are where like, if you push control and it like uh, arrows in or like uh, jellyfish is into your cursor. So people can like see where your cursor is at. So that's a good one. Or even like if you do slides, like transitions of like having a slide fly in or like a ta-da sound or any type of like music integration, all those things do a really great job of, of keeping attention. And even just moving from one side of the screen to the other, like first you're in the middle, then you're left, then you're right. People see you moving around the screen. All right. What else? What else keeps our attention? Like what else, what else display wise? Like, can you change, like you're on camera, but then can you show a web page? but then can they have like an interactive, like electronic portfolio? And then can we show a video? But then can we listen to a podcast or some audio? What about infographics? So GIFs, art, like integrating any of that is going to keep attention too. All right. The last thing to think about is if you're going to plan all this out, get all the right things in order, teach the content, keep their attention. How do we assess online? Like what are some options for making sure that people get it? I mean, you can definitely do like discussion boards or have them submit projects or even take online quizzes, but there are really great programs like Hap, Yak, and Zaption that allow you to embed quiz questions with a video that you record. So that's pretty cool. And there's Edpuzzle and PlayPosit, P-O-S-I-T, PlayPosit for building lessons around your video where you can integrate assessments. So those are two really, those are four really great digital options for assessing. You can try to take some anecdotal notes, depending on how much you're interacting and in breakout rooms, that might be possible and just get students feedback. Like what do they need? What do they want? How do they want to be assessed? Asking them even at a young age, like how we think we can figure out what they know and they might have some really good answers. So get their input for sure. That takes us to today's listener question, which is what are some ways we can help students find the language to recognize their own stressors? Oof. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be self-aware. It's hard to really see in ourselves what we need to 
do or recognize there's a problem or recognize that we don't feel regulated. So the first thing is check with your body. Teach them to check in with their body. Where into their body, where in their body they feel something different? Is it tension? Is it tightness? Is it like hard to breathe? Is it hot? Is it what is it? Check in with your body. Is your body feel off somewhere? Okay, where? How does it feel? Okay, great. We know something's off. That might mean that we are feeling stressed or anxious or insert whatever big, heavy feeling. Great. We recognized it. How strong is it? Like, is it like a little bit? I'm just starting to feel it. Or is it like it's intense and I can barely manage it. And once I know that I'm feeling it and how strong it is, I can think about how to then implement something to correct it. Maybe I can remove the thing that is causing me stress. Oftentimes I cannot. So I'm going to focus on responding to it and easing the stress by doing something to change the way my body feels. I might use some different coping strategies. I might take a break. I might take some time to draw it out or to write it out or to use a voice memo to talk it out, but I need to get it out of my body. It's heavy. It's sitting in there. It's causing my body distress. Get it out. So use a coping mechanism, draw it out, voice it out, whatever it is, act it out, jump it out, dance it out, sing it out. And then pay attention to when you feel that way again. And if you keep feeling that way at a certain time of your day or in a certain class or when something happens, that's your stressor. And see if you can change that stressor. And if you can't, focus on just reacting better to the stressor. To wrap up the show, I am going to share with you our try at home tip, which is cleaning and organizing. When you organize your external world, it helps to organize your internal world. So organizing things, cleaning them, sorting them, like finishing projects, all those things give you little hits of dopamine. They also just like neutralize and calm down your system. So great to practice those when you are feeling those big, heavy emotions, one way to cope. And that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Don't forget to try it at home tip, which is clean and organize. And if you are looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, anything related to the brain, I would love to be a part of that learning journey, whether it's a school system or a family system, or just someone who has kids or works with kids or is around near kids. The Behavior Hub offers a range of coaching supports, training programs, even online courses with university credit. If you want to learn more, go on to thebehaviorhub.com. All of that messaging will come to me directly. Also, if you want to work on this at like an organizational level, like you really want to work on your organizational like stress level, burnout, productivity, keeping people from quitting their jobs, five IVES, F-I-V-E-I-V-E-S, five IVES is an organization I created and we are launching to help bring organizations out of survival states and into thriving states. And there's a whole sequence of coaching for how to do so. So check out the website, fiveives.com to learn more. And don't forget to lock in what you learned by sharing it with someone else or leaving a comment below or even teaching it to somebody else. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thank you for joining me.